Hey folks, Jeff Salzman here. Thanks for tuning in to The Daily Evolver. While we're on summer hiatus from our live podcast, we're posting some of our favorite episodes from the archives. Today, I'm sharing a conversation I had a couple years ago with my dear friend, Cindy Wigglesworth, right when she released her really terrific and influential book called SQ21, The 21 Skills of Spiritual Intelligence. Now, one of the key premises of integral theory is that people evolve in multiple lines of development, or what we call intelligences. We evolve in our cognitive intelligence, our emotional intelligence, social intelligence, and of course, spiritual intelligence. It's this last line of development, spiritual intelligence, that is really kind of tricky, and this is what Cindy focuses on. What does it actually mean to be spiritually developed? How do spiritually developed people think act, feel, and make sense of this great adventure of life? These are some of the questions I asked Cindy in this interview. I think you'll be inspired by her answers. I certainly was. Have a listen and let me know what you think. I love to hear your comments and questions. You can either jot them down in a note or record a voice memo on your smartphone and email it to me at jeff at dailyevolver.com. Thanks again for listening. Hey folks, Jeff Salzman here. This morning I'm in my home in Boulder with, by phone, my dear sister, Cindy Wigglesworth. We're here to talk about your new book and the work you've been doing, Cindy, and the mark you're making in the integral and evolutionary world as somebody who's really creating, really moving the ball. Uh, with your company, Deep Change, and your product, which is uh, the SQ, or the Spiritual Intelligence. What would you call it? The Spiritual Intelligence It's quotient? the Spiritual Intelligence Self-Assessment. Its technical name is the SQ-21. Right. And that also is the name of your book, SQ-21. It is. For me, I'm always trying to figure out, so what's the next move here as an integralist? I mean, I know I'm an evolving person. Uh, I know that there's something next. I just by my consciousness of that, I'm called to co-create that or bring that forth. Mm-hmm. And so spiritually, you know, like a lot of us, I was dra- raised mythically in the Christian church, fundamentalist Christian church. Mm-hmm. I was educated modernly in that I was taught science and that there's another way of explaining the weather, (laughs) for instance. (laughs) And where hurricanes go. Yeah, exactly. And then I was seduced or maybe re-educated into postmodern, where I was sort of shown that there's a whole big wide world of spiritual practices and streams of thought. So I'm this sort of walking contradiction like a lot of people are. I remember as a child believing and sitting in the lap of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I remember what that felt like. Yep. And as a science guy or science, you know, I'm deeply immersed in science, that all gets sort of explained away. And mm-hmm. I don't know what's left of it. Like a lot of people who are in the modern world, I, I still want to kind of keep my connection to the church. Mm-hmm. But I don't know what I believe anymore. Right. And then I've meditated and I've gone to this seminar and I've listened to this guru and I've read the books. So that leaves us at uh, where a lot of us are in a sort of a postmodern stage of development. And what you're really doing is, I think, the integral move uh, or an integral move. Mm-hmm. And that is to see what are the patterns here right. and what sort of, sort of baseline truth Mm-hmm. that we can actually work with and continue on a spiritual path and, and continue with consciousness, our spiritual unfoldment, but do it in a way that has some structure and some deeper understanding. So thank you. Oh, thank you. That's a, that's a beautiful introduction. And, and yes, that is, of course, the objective is the conscious evolution of the individual helping people from wherever they are 
whether they're still, you know, at mythic or at their modern or postmodern, wherever they are, what's next for them? My core guiding question for many years now has been, what would love do in this situation? Hmm. And to me, that embodies the essence of my Christian upbringing and the spiritual heroes that I most admire. And what would love do is it would speak the language that can be heard. It would address the pain that's being felt, not to make the person like me, but to make the person take, help them take their next step that they want to take, that they are ready to take, in the direction of their own higher self, in the direction of their own highest, most noblest sense of who they could be, which is often embodied in the people that they will name as their spiritual heroes. Right. And you are doing this uh, with people in business settings. You've Mm -hmm. created an organization of people who are doing this. Yes. How does that work? Uh, I love that you talked about that you wanted to be faith positive, but faith neutral. Right. So the the way I often say it is faith friendly, faith neutral, secular friendly. <laughs> so yeah. trying to catch everybody there. Because um, when atheists come to me and say, can I be spiritually intelligent if I don't believe in God? My answer is yes, of course you can. Yeah. Um, and for those who are deeply religious, we have generic language in the assessment, but we actually have developed faith specific glossaries that help people take the language of Hinduism or Buddhism or Islam or Christianity or Judaism and connect specifically from sort of key touch points in their language of their faith to the secular generic language of the assessment. So the the first big step is creating a common vocabulary that transcends the religions and worldviews and allows us to talk to each other in ways that are not divisive. So that common language is step one. And then step two is to frame this whole thing as a set of skills that you can learn. And each of these 21 skills may not be attractive to everybody, but out of 21, certainly two or three are going to be interesting. So we find which ones are ripe for them and what's their next move within that skill. And so people can take this assessment. The assessment is online, mm-hmm. and the book is, is freestanding its own thing. Yes. And how do they get to the website? The website is deepchange.com. You can shop our products and services is the link that you click, and then it will take you through to the SQ assessment. Periodically, we've been running a special through Integral Life, so I would suggest anybody who has access to Integral Life to get on their website and see if the special is running, because there would be a discount to take the assessment and have an hour debrief, which is really highly recommended. The report itself is 20 pages long, so it's quite detailed, and it will generally give you a suggested next step for each of the 21 skills. But it's obviously not the same as having a conversation with a coach who can really dig into what did you mean when you answered the question this way, what were you thinking about, what's your personal history, and customize the next steps to be really well-tailored for you. SQ21book.com is the website, the page to drive to the book, and that will actually take you to a page inside the Deep Change website, but SQ21book.com is the website, and that will also show the special that we're going to be running. There will be a gift promotion for October 9th. We're kind of trying to drive up the Amazon ranking, which is a way of bringing the attention of journalists to a book. And so if we can concentrate sales on October 9th, that's a really cool thing. And we're actually going to offer as a gift a free mini version of the SQ assessment. So that would be a way for somebody to kind of put their toe in the water is say, well, the book doesn't cost all that much, so I'm going to get the book on Amazon on October 9th. I'll get a sample version for free of the assessment, and then I can decide if I want to you know, go further with this whole thing. That's terrific, Cindy. That's mm-hmm. a great offer. Thank you. So SQ21, October 9th, Amazon. You got it. And a mini assessment thrown in. A mini assessment thrown in, and the gifts are available from that sq21book.com website. So what you're doing is, uh, you know, kind of audacious, actually, my dear. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that from you. You're someone <laughs> whose esteem I hold dear and precious. <laughs> well, you're, you're, you're daring to and claiming to measure spiritual, 
development. I am. And, uh, you know, we get into some pushback and a totally understandable and reasonable pushback around how can you possibly measure spirituality, which is where it's important to be clear about terms. So I distinguish spirituality from spiritual intelligence. I define spirituality as an innate human need to be connected to something larger than ourselves, something that we consider to be divine, sacred, or extremely noble. And that something larger than me, we could say it was God, we could say it was the oversoul, we could say it was the universe, or it can be just a really noble mission for people who are somewhat allergic to spiritual and religious terms. They may be passionately committed to eliminating hunger on the planet by the year 2050 or whatever. And I would say that's an innate spiritual need. They're seeking to be in connection with something larger than their contracted egoic self. So spirituality is this innate hunger that sort of in a Maslow style is part of our hierarchy of needs. Well, if I could just stop there Mm -hmm. uh, and and just point out that in in all of my spiritual seeking, and I've, you know, kissed a lot of frogs, (laughs) you know, they really do have that in common. And Mm -hmm. that is that there's some claim that the world that we live in, our our subjective reality, is a bit of a delusion. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, or as Einstein said, an uh, optical delusion. An optical illusion of consciousness. Mm -hmm. Yeah, optical illusion of consciousness. Thank you. Mm -hmm. That there's a bigger reality that we're swimming in or that we're living in. Mm -hmm. And these uh, practices or these religions uh, call us to that, whether it's God or Nirvana Mm -hmm. or whatever it might be. Yes, and I find that there are, you know, there's a typology around mysticism, which may uh, get my further attention down the road, but there seems to be people who are highly prone to and have strong desire for mystical awareness and right. sort of that transcendent oneness experience. And then there are people for whom it doesn't seem to occur easily, often or at all, and or they have extreme resistance to it even being possible. Right. You know? And so how do you speak to both of those? And and actually what I try to do is to speak to both of those because Some people are very focused on the next life or the next level outside of the material, and other people are very focused on this is it, this is the only life I've got, this is the life I have to make my mark with, and I want to use it well. Either of those energies can be applied to developing spiritual intelligence. So you're actually offering a spiritual, I wouldn't quite say a spiritual path, or or would I? Yeah, well, certainly an SQ path. Yeah. You know increasing spiritual intelligence to people who are really, um, you know, basically scientific, secular. Right. And there may be nothing after this life, and that's okay. Right. But they want to live this life in the most full and deep way possible. Yes. So when I look at the skills, you have skills of Mm self-awareness. You have skills of universal awareness or this feeling of being connected Mm -hmm. to the one. You have skills of self-mastery, mm-hmm. and you have skills of, I love it, social mastery and spiritual presence. Yes. And that's a beautiful social mastery and spiritual presence. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, I can see that all of these really do apply to everybody who's at least interested in them. Yes, and so for the person who's more of a scientific, secular mindset, the quadrant that they like the least tends to be the universal awareness quadrant. Mm-hmm. A few of the skills in there, like awareness of spiritual laws and experience of transcendent oneness, will tend to feel unimportant or a waste of time or whatever. They will have a judgment around them. And I just say, fine, let's put those two skills aside. We've got 19 left. Mm-hmm. There's plenty to work on. Right. And And within that, there are ways to talk about all of them, even even the experience of transcendent oneness and awareness of spiritual laws, even those that are allergic feeling to people who are more scientifically minded. You can talk about them in a more psychological way or right. a more uh, practical, pragmatic, experimental way so that it's like if you don't find it useful, focus on something else 
the skill is useful to some people. I get it. It's maybe not useful to you right now. And it may never be, and that's fine. But, you know, there's so much to work on here. I've never had anyone leave the coaching session without going, wow, that's really cool. I, I think I know what I need to work on next. Well, yeah, and I, I also could, could even remember from my own um, scientific materialist days or my own mm-hmm. really what I was a committed atheist secularist, mm-hmm. I could still get that awe of the universe. Absolutely. I mean, And how standing on a mountain in a clear night in the Milky mm-hmm. Way, and it's, yeah. a, it's something. Yes, and so that experience of transcendent oneness comes in degrees. You know, all these skills are measured from zero, you haven't started yet, to five, which is the highest level I've figured out how to describe. And so you can get partway there on any of these skills, at least as a secularist, and you may be able to get as high as you need to go. You might be able to get to four, you might be able to get to five, depending on the skill. Um, You know, at level five on transcendent oneness, you're able to experience it at any time, and that may not be of interest or use to some people. And so I say, you know, the target for you might be level three on that skill. And experience awe and wonder when you look through a microscope or when you look through, you know, at photographs at the Hubble Space Telescope or, you know, from Mars now, the photos coming in from Mars. I mean, awe and wonder is present in the natural world. Absolutely. Yeah. So, Cindy, give us a little uh, rundown of the, the stages and, and particularly keeping in mind that we're an integral crowd here. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're kind of clustering at the top end. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I just know it. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, yeah, just lay out the basic schema here. Right. So the the way the skills work, they're broken into four quadrants. There's almost an equal distribution of skills. There's five in each quadrant except for the second quadrant, which has six. And they parallel the emotional intelligence quadrants. So they're kind of a step up from EQ, which is a shorthand way of explaining it. It's like EQ on steroids. Within each Emotional intelligence being the Daniel Goleman work. And Daniel Goleman's model, yeah, the Daniel yeah. Goleman Richard Boyatzis model, which really was the sort of penny that dropped and I went, aha, there will be a way to explain spiritual intelligence yeah. the way this team, Daniel and Richard, have explained emotional intelligence. So I set about trying to describe, you know, if there were four quadrants of SQ, and I just assumed it would be a vertical lift, you know, one step up over the four quadrants of Goleman, then what would go in those quadrants that would describe what makes a Dalai Lama different from an average high EQ person? How would I differentiate EQ from SQ? And then I started really thinking about works I had read by different spiritual leaders, um, Fowler's Stages of Faith. Um, I hadn't found yet um, Ken at the beginning, although I found Ken before I completed all this work, and Spiral Dynamics and Suzanne Cook-Reuter's work. But I got very attracted to adult development theory the second I found it through Ken's work. And Ken started, Wilber we're talking about. Ken Wilber, of yes, of course. Is there another Ken? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, of course, Ken Wilber's work. Um, And then I started saying, okay, I know a little bit about the stages from Fowler. That was really where I started. And Maslow's work. And then later I kind of went back and checked it with the action logics of Cook Reuter, uh, which I actually got exposed to before I got exposed to the spiral dynamics work, but I just as each I got exposed to each of these models, I kept going back and looking and seeing does this fit, does this fit, and what I found is that the there's a rough equivalency, and it's only a rough equivalency that if you start at early blue conformist to expert, you know, using spiral colors blue, amber um, in Ken Wilber's colors, and start at sort of that expert con, or con, diplomat conformist transition to expert and move up the scale, the level one to level five roughly parallels those developmental moves. Right. And I was interested to see, would there be higher SQ scores for higher stages of development? And Suzanne and I partnered. We had a database of 139 people who had taken her assessment, um, the MAP, which results in giving you a total weighted score of, you know, kind of the distribution, but where's your average center of gravity in terms of your action logic. And we compared that to the scores on the SQ assessment. And what we found was 
what my statistician told me is 1% chance that this correlation is an accident. Wow. Yeah, which is very exciting. Yeah, for me it was very exciting. Now, I need to be clear that you can have high SQ scores at the expert action logic. So you would be a much less annoying expert if you had, (laughs) you know, the high EQ and the high SQ. So there's not a guarantee that developing SQ will drive you to integral. But I think it works in the opposite direction. If you don't have SQ, you can't get there. Right. And I think that's really going to make this a helpful tool. Interesting, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we can see that people at all stages of development really can have, or at least the stages we're talking about, can have a well-developed SQ. Yes, expert and above. Uh, you get down to impulsive, it gets really difficult. <laughs> yeah, of course. In fact, we had a hard time with the impulsives in our database. They didn't want to finish the survey. <laughs> yeah, well, I have a hard time with the impulsive in myself. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> so, you know, we just have That's to sort of make room. That's sensibility, yes. I guess. All right, so, uh, you know, so the, the beginning with the first category, I guess this is the first uh, quadrant, mm-hmm. uh, self-awareness. Yes. Um, so you, you, you're. I mean, when I when I read what you had to say about this, it felt like a um, a map to integral thinking in a way. You're talking about uh, taking other people's perspectives and being aware of your own values and aware yeah. of your own worldview. That yeah. sort of reflexive, self-reflexive awareness. If you don't make that subject-object move. It's, you can't develop these skills. So right. you're absolutely right. The ability to observe myself, the ability to notice that there's a whole lot of little me's running around inside of me, um, the, all the little voices of my ego and the various voices of my higher self. So there is a stepwise progression. Um, we often use skill five, as I do in the book, as as sort of the, the master skill to help people kind of grok, you know, like what is it that we're talking about And And that's the awareness of the ego self and the higher self. Exactly. So this whole quadrant is around ego self, higher self awareness in a macro sense. But when we drill down to the awareness of the voices of these, it's skill five. And, you know, level one, I just have a basic understanding that I even have an ego and that how it reacts to things is a result of my, you know, personal experience, my culture, the influence of my family and so on. This is a, a cognitive awareness. That's all you need for level one. But for many people, that's actually a big step forward because they've yeah. never thought about the fact that who they are got shaped by their upbringing. Yeah. So that, that's well, I remember one. my own mm-hmm. realization of that. Yeah. Probably teenage years somewhere I started reading psychology and so forth, but it was a wow. It was wow. And, you know, even just having like a, going to a friend's house for the weekend kind of thing, you start realizing other families are drastically different. And, oh, that might explain why she gets upset about this or that or thinks this way or whatever. So I think the seeds of that do get planted during those teen years. And then as we study and learn, you know, especially if we take any psych classes, we can really start to understand how the ego gets formed. Right. And, and, you know, we're talking really about moving uh, up and through these stages. Mm -hmm. And there's the stage of then becoming aware of our higher, higher self. Yes, exactly. And I remember uh, doing workshops. I used to lead meditation retreats, and one of the group exercises I would have people do would be to sit in a chair, and there would be four or five people you know, in a circle facing mm-hmm. them, mm-hmm. and they would speak from the chair as themselves, and then they would get up and stand behind the chair mm-hmm. and speak about themselves. So I would wow. speak about Jeff from the position of my higher self. Wow, that is And it's powerful. actually, it was just remarkable to, to them and also to me over and over and over again, just actually how accessible the higher self is when one takes it seriously and does a simple practice. Yes, yes. And, you know, around the voice, accessing the, the voice self. dialogue practices, which yes. you were doing a form of, are just phenomenal for helping us feel and see and taste and smell these different aspects of ourselves and really come to cherish and appreciate them. Yes, and to see them as little people, as little mm-hmm. personalities. Mm-hmm. Totally. So when you say your impulsive self, I totally get that. I know that person. <laughs> you know, oh, God, I, yeah. I know the impulsive Cindy, you know. I know the expert yeah. Cindy. Boy, she's got a loud voice. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, no, and, and one of the great things about this is that oh. it actually frees us from a lot of um, self-reproach um, uh, and, and negativity. Yes, and I've found that in the whole process of coaching around uh, SQ is to put it in the context of you have different systems in your brain, which is a really helpful way for someone whose center of gravity is at modern to think about things. But, you know, really anybody in our society can understand a little bit about the brain. And so you would say, okay, you've got this limbic system and you've got this cortex and this neocortex. And the neocortex is where we think we're running our lives from, but actually not so much. (laughs) And we've got these habituated patterns and some of them come from our fight or flight system. And then you can love and appreciate your fight or flight system in a whole new way while not letting it run your life. Yes. And, and that's kind of how I see this ego self, higher self, is that I love and appreciate my ego voices now, and I also know they are mega drama queens. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so and you don't want to have them driving the bus. Not unless I mean, I'm they filming can all a sit back there and do their thing. <laughs> yeah. but, but there has to be a higher self driving. Exactly. Or at least you want the higher self online and um, you, know, you want access, easy access. And as you say, mm-hmm. at the higher stages, it's basically marked by a constant access. Constant access and a real feeling of partnership as opposed to a tug of war between which part of me. Is it the good part or the bad part? You know, it's like no longer that conversation. Both yeah. parts are great. Both parts are necessary. Both parts are working together towards a higher purpose. And that's really, to me, the goal of Skill 5 and the goal of spiritual intelligence. Well, I certainly look forward to further mastery <laughs> along that line. Well, me too. you got to remember, I'm describing the Dalai Lama in here, you know, not myself. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's cool. I mean, it's one of the great things about integral theory and particularly Ken's flavor of it is that, mm-hmm. well, I think every you know, just integral or evolutionary theory in general is, it Ken emphasizes it, is we can see that we're not at the top. Mm-hmm. And that's a a new emergent itself in terms of people who see progress. Progress is at work, yes. I'm part of a, a moving system, and boy, it sure goes beyond where I am. And I can actually get glimpses of well, what's next, and that helps me. Right, which of course is the title for the conference coming up in December, which will be very exciting. Yes, exactly. The What Next Conference here mm-hmm. in Boulder, New Year's, December 28th through January 1st. Another little commercial there. That's great, because I'm, I'm really psyched about that. And I think that is really an important question, because if you don't have the vision of where you're going, it's really hard to create what you're trying to create. So the more specific and concrete we can be about the vision we're trying to create, the better chance we have for doing it. I was just chatting with my office manager this week about, you know, well, we've got the, all this stuff around the book for the next year, but I said our next vision has to be, I need a thousand coaches certified. And she said, mm-hmm. got it. And she went upstairs. We've got about 200 people now. And she expanded the spreadsheet down to number 1,000. She said, I'm ready. <laughs> I'm holding the space for it. So it's like the more concrete you are, the better it is, I think. And so what's well, next in the world is that? You're a mogul. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I'm trying to make myself dispensable. You're scaring me. <laughs> But no, I think that's so great, and it's actually what I love Mm -hmm. about you. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of the many things I love about you is that you're a serious businesswoman, uh, Mm -hmm. successful, uh, achieved a lot, and was called from a pretty lofty perch in our meritocracy Mm -hmm. to work on this project. Yeah, 20 years at ExxonMobil. I had a great job and a big salary and a lot of stock options and I like to jokingly say God had his hands around my throat and basically gave me two choices, do this or be miserable. (laughs) (laughs) So I guess that qualifies as a vocation or a call. (laughs) Well, well, there's a lesson in there. I mean, Mm -hmm. really, as as you say, as we become more self-aware, we just become in some ways aware as as this higher self. It's the same thing. And and to use a more Mm -hmm. mythic construction, even though we may not believe the myth anymore. Right. But we could still feel that it's God's hands around us. Yes, totally. And you know, and not even know who God is at this point. Don't but need still to know. feel his hands around us. Yes. 
Exactly. We can have a felt experience of something higher is calling me. And whether that something higher is some aspect of my subconscious or some universal energy is no longer an important question to me. Yeah. There exactly, was a time when I we, needed to know that. We have direct access to it. Yeah. You know, it, it, it has proven itself to be a reliable guide over, you know, the 55 years of my life. And so I have learned to trust whatever that is by whatever label you want to put on it. Right. Yeah. And so the second grouping is the universal awareness, yes, which is, people. in a sense, the mm-hmm. awareness of the worldview of others and of just the bigger system. Yes, that's the most important skill is what I call skill seven or awareness of the worldviews of other people, because truly you cannot be compassionate nor wise until you can deeply role reverse with the other. And to the degree that you can do this, like to me, the test of this is, can I put myself in the mind of Hitler or the mind of um, Osama bin Laden or the mind of, you know, pick your dictator or terrorist of choice and say from their perspective, I can understand that why what they're doing makes sense. It doesn't mean I wouldn't set huge boundaries with them and, you know, kill them if I could. Right. But it means I can deeply understand because the failure to understand means you don't have real insight into the decisions you should make to deal with whatever's going on. Does that mean I have to do that with Dick Cheney? I'm afraid so. And I'm having to do that with a whole lot of Republicans at the moment. Well, it's interesting. I mean, yeah. you know, in some ways it's – no, I'm just yeah. – but we notice throughout our day yeah. how we are triggered and mm-hmm. how we uh, say what's in and what's out and how we differentiate ourselves and harden our own sense of reality mm-hmm. and identity against other people. And that's one of the ways that we feel real mm-hmm. is by pushing off against other people. Yes. You know, so it's we interesting. Can clarify what we value by what annoys us. Yes. But we can also use that to find our own blind spots and to see with greater complexity, which actually is one of the spiritual intelligence skills, is your complexity of thinking. If you can hold simultaneous perspectives elegantly, then you are able to be at a high level on that skill for complexity of thinking. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and then part of that is getting behind the eyes of that person so that you realize that, yes, Dick Cheney is trying to make the world a better place for his grandchildren. Exactly. Uh, I remember the the first time I heard the song that had the line in it, and the Russians love their children too. Isn't that something? Yeah, it was during the Cold War, and I remember just being stopped by that song and going, oh my God, I had so othered the Russians. Yes that I couldn't imagine that they love their children, too. That's always been yes. a powerful line. Well, and, and to go to the, you know, the real and present danger, if you will, and that is the still odd, radical fundamentalist with a big old bomb. Mm-hmm. They're trying to make the world safe for their children. Yes. From the great Satan who has satellites in the sky pumping down pornography and mm-hmm. corrupting and taking over our lands and our oil. I mean, you know, it's a practice. This is uh, one of the things that I emphasize in my teachings about integral practice is Mm -hmm. that one of the just fundamental practices of developing an integral consciousness Mm -hmm. is just deliberately getting behind the eyes of other people. Yes, it's Uh, it's a humbling process. It is. And you you not only want to get in there and see how they're seeing, but you also want to appreciate what they may have, what piece mm-hmm. of the story and puzzle they have that you didn't. Exactly. And that if I fail to do that, I am not delivering optimally on my gifts to the world, and I'm certainly not helping them to bring their gift to the world. Yes. So, you know, whatever is next for us has got to contain that great humility. Yes. And I think that's, you know, certainly a piece of what I'll be talking about in December. At the what yeah, conference. at the conference. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're going to be doing a, a, a talk at the conference that we're so mm-hmm. we're psyched about. You, you know, this is what we're interested in at, mm-hmm. in this conference, too, is, you know, here we are. We're evolutionaries. What's next? Right. What's our spiritual path? Because a lot of us are still in this sort of green stew of we've kissed a lot of frogs. Mm-hmm. I talked about my own spiritual path. How does that organize into daily back pocket ways of living right. that are ever more conscious? And as you say, the two wings of the bird, the wisdom and compassion. Right. And how powerful that teaching was to you. 
Yes, yes. So, you know, when I was looking to define SQ, I wanted to define it as behaving with love. But the word love is very unfortunate in English how we use it. We say, I love my children and I love ice cream and do not distinguish between what we mean by that. So the word itself was way too sloppy for me to use. And I found that definition from the East that love is a bird with two wings. One wing is compassion. The other wing is wisdom. If either wing is broken, the bird cannot fly. And that just gave me goosebumps from head Mm -hmm. to toe. And Mm -hmm. I still get goosebumps. Right now I got goosebumps. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Every time I say that, it's like I have this tuning fork that goes, that's so true. Um, And what's brilliant about it is it's the best of the head and the best of the heart coming together in the body of the bird in order to enact what we are calling love. And I think what's next for integral includes a softening move. You know, we've very much focused on cognitive capacities, which, you know, Lord knows you got to have if you're going to read Ken Wilber's work. You know, he's a genius. So it's hard for people to approach the theory if they don't have a fairly high IQ. But the softening move, I think, is what's called for next. So let's not just develop one wing. We've got to build muscle on the other side. Well, Cindy, Mm -hmm. I feel you softening my hard little heart in this moment. Oh, your heart has never been hard. (laughs) (laughs) Brother Jeff, come on. (laughs) But there's an ever softening. I mean, there there is a process that it's just a practice. It's not about Mm -hmm. getting softening our heart. I mean, it is, but it's not like there's an end state that we're trying to get to. It's, It's the process. It's the journey. It's the faith. And that gets to our next category. Mm-hmm. So the first category being self-mastery mm-hmm. or self-awareness. Second mm-hmm. category, universal awareness. Mm-hmm. And the third is self-mastery. Yes. Which yes. includes this, um, actually, working with faith as a practice is one of them. Yes. Yeah, so being able to sustain faith during difficult times is a really important um, skill. And, you know, in times like we're living in right now, it's easy to get discouraged. You know, look out there and say, everything is breaking. And this is where I think, Jeff, you have a brilliant gift of holding the optimist pole for people. It's like, let's not allow what is in front of our faces to obscure the long-term trajectory of life with a capital L. Mm-hmm. You know? Thank you. So, yeah, so we have these elections coming up in November, and yeah, a lot of ugly stuff is being said, and a lot of regressive-sounding things are being said. And is that or a good or a bad thing? It's like that old Sufi tale, you know, who who's to say what's good or what's bad? I heard a nice metaphor, though, just this week that I'll share with you because it sounds like something you would like, which someone was describing, I think it was Chuck Yeager, who was the pilot who first broke the sound barrier. And when he got got off the plane and the the news crew all rushed up and goes, you know, how was it? How was it? And, And he goes, well, the cabin rattles the most right before you break the barrier. Yes. Yeah. So we got a noisy cabin. Yes. Yes. (laughs) going on. Is that good or is that bad? I think, you know, the question's not the right question. I think it's what has to be. And then how we react to what has to be will decide for us how long and how painful our transition to what's next is. But, you know, I don't get discouraged. I use those kind of methods to sustain faith. And I think this particular skill, skill 15, is very important for evolutionaries and integralists to hold on to, which is to remember to zoom out and take the really big perspective on stuff when you're getting discouraged. And you refer to that as Mm self-mastery, which I love, actually, because it is a mastery, uh, or it's at least taking on the conditioned mind. Yes. And conditioned behaviors, which I think, and this is my thesis, is that, of course, everybody at Integral is at least waist deep in first tier systems, green and orange and mm-hmm. blue. And, you know, mm-hmm. we're, we're, we're deeply rooted there. Mm-hmm. And uh, part of the nature of those systems are fear. Yes. They're fear based. Yes. They have some idea uh, that the, everything went wrong. Uh, we're in an ever-darkening, fallen state. Science couldn't save us. It just led to the death camps and the atomic bomb. Mm-hmm. And, you know, now it's just corporate malfeasance and greed. And 
there's just a lot of the programming of the culture and, and of our deep psyches because we're products of the culture. Embodied in that wonderful bumper sticker, life sucks and then you die. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. And so to move into an integral system, which is a, we refer to as a second tier system, as Claire Graves says, one of the markers of the move to integral is a radical diminishment of fear. Yes. And Maslow talks about this. You were talking about Maslow. And, Love Maslow's and work. Really, yeah. all of the developmentalists talk mm-hmm. about that, and so, as, as do the spiritual traditions. When we okay. turn our life over to God, that is, when we deeply see that we are a product of a, of a system that is intelligent and loving, mm-hmm. then we can relax in a certain way mm-hmm. and realize that we're growing up and that Seven-year-olds scream and fight with each other. Mm-hmm. They just do. And mm-hmm. every parent or grandparent knows that, and they don't want them to hurt each other. <laughs> but they don't want them to not do it because it's part of how they find out who they are and what they believe and, you know, their own strengths. And they, you know, I, I, I see the cacophony of our political system as being, first of all, way more intelligent than it's ever been, as mm-hmm. crazy as it still is. Mm-hmm. And also, as I often say it, <laughs> the comment sections of most political blogs read like transcripts of my voice dialogue sessions in the <laughs> 80s. <laughs> oh, that's a beautiful way to look at those. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Maybe there's something therapeutic going on here. <laughs> well, I think it probably is. You know, a war of words, as you have said before, is far superior to a war of bullets. Yes, so, or you know, swords, or clubs. <laughs> yes, yes. I mean, look we, where we've come from, people. You well, think we're in a dark age? Give me a break. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, you know, and, and the fellow who did all the research, whose name I can't think of right now, who's, um, you know, how violence has declined over the centuries, even though we've Stephen Pinker. Not, yes, that's his name. Um, it's just, it's amazing. So yeah. acknowledging that while we still have a whole lot of warts and room for improvement, there has been thus far in human evolution an overall big picture positive trajectory. And that's a really important thing for sustaining yourself, for staying calm and centered. And if you're going to be a leader, your limbic system will help calibrate the limbic systems of the people around you. So if you stay in fear and if you are in upset, other people's limbic systems will calibrate to that. But if you can stay in that calm, trusting place, even while you know, okay, i got to take action about this particular thing. You and I have talked about how I've become an activist this year. It's like it's time to get active in certain areas, and I am not giving up my faith that all of this is working to ultimate good. Right on, sister. Yeah, brother. (laughs) (laughs) So that gets us to your fourth major category, which is – social mastery and spiritual presence. And it is about leading other people, getting in the arena, being part of the solution, not just, you know, learning about the stuff or navel gazing or meditating, but getting in the game. Engaged in the world, right. And so I, my favorite little tagline under my auto signature is lead yourself first with such authenticity and depth that other people will choose to follow. Say that again, Cindy, just to... Okay, lead yourself first with such authenticity and depth that other people will choose to follow. Yeah, we do. I mean, this is uh, sort of built into the human antenna that Mm -hmm. we are tuned to and riveted by people who have that authenticity and depth. Mm -hmm. And we recognize them in our lives. And sometimes they just have authenticity and depth in certain areas, maybe even. Yeah, I mean, I haven't met a perfect person yet, and I would suspect that Dalai Lama has his flaws, you know. Um, Any person as a human body. Oh, I hear he's an SOB. Oh, is he really? (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Kidding. (laughs) But I'm sure sure people all have their flaws, no matter how spiritually enlightened. Yeah. So I don't think perfection is the goal. I think sort of refining your ego so that it has as little control over you as possible and it partners with your higher self in a very mature way. I sort of talk about, you know, grow it up and then it can be a good partner. Right. Yeah. So how do we relate then to 
you know, we have, still have science, and we have certainly our religions of origin. Some of us, some of us don't, actually. Mm-hmm. We're, we were raised secular or sort of green, post-secular. How do we relate to religion? There are, you know, healthy and unhealthy expressions of any institution. Religion is certainly included in that. And so I think the discernment for someone who's attempting to operate primarily from second tier, understanding we all have first tier moments, (laughs) but is to see and discern the healthy parts and not throw it all out. And that, of course, has been one of the issues with postmodernism is that it often tries to completely destroy religion which is a crucial blue structure to help people move on the spiral from that sort of red, impulsive, egocentric, teenager crazy place up to rules abiding and sufficiently conforming to be able to live in a society. So, you know, we need a way to make religion healthy. And as you know, I'm real involved with the Unity Church, which is a very progressive Christian church, and they're actively contemplating sort of the vision of the future church, you know, like... How does Christianity serve the spiral? They've been teaching spiral dynamics there for years. So really trying to think about healthy manifestations and how can we nourish the healthy manifestations and appropriately contain the sort of more toxic nut job expressions like the church that keeps showing up at military funerals to pick at the funerals because God hates gay people or whatever. You know, it's like I think they finally set a law, didn't they, that those folks can't get within so many feet of those funerals? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Yeah. So I think that's an appropriate use of regulation and police force to manage toxic expressions of blue structures or amber structures. And yeah, I think that's what's called for going forward is not to force religion to feel shamed because then you're actually going to make it more toxic, but find a way to dance with it that's healthy. Yeah. So what's your thought about dancing with it in this uh, election and the social conservatives and, you know, what's your take on this? Yeah, so, you know, I'm a social liberal and, um, you know, if I had my way, I'd change a bunch of laws today. (laughs) But, (laughs) But I also understand you can only change a society so quickly. And so I think, you know, as I look historically at, you know, when Clinton made the decision to say, don't ask, don't tell, I think that was a nicely moderated choice. Although it was not what we all wanted, who were, those of us who were social liberals, it was an improvement over what we had before, yeah. you know, which was, you know, we're going to interrogate the heck out of you if we even suspect you might be gay. Now it was yes. like, that's not even legitimate inquiry, just shut that down. So and we had that for 20 years. Mm-hmm. And during that period of time, a lot of social change happened to the point where Obama could now say, look, you know, gays can serve in the military. We don't care. Yeah. That, I don't think, could have happened any faster than it happened. No, it's happened uh, blindingly fast, considering historical timetables. Right. For that sort of thing. I'm trying to hold that same perspective around all the social change that has occurred. You know, women's issues are a huge hot button for me. And as I see this contracting back to some idealized 1950s American family where Donna Reed is going to stay home and not have a job and the man's going to make all the decisions, including whether or not she can have any more babies, <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, you know, part of me foams at the mouth and I honor the warrior self that comes out <laughs> to foam at the mouth. Uh, and the other part of me remembers the cabin rattles loudest right before you break through and that this is fear there's a there's a fear uh i think there's a fear by men that they're losing their right place that they don't know what their new place would be yeah but i think part of the challenge for feminists is to not make men wrong yeah but to find the best and most elegant way that men can participate in whatever is coming next and and not talk about, you know, we have to have more women everywhere because women wouldn't start wars. I know plenty of women who would start wars. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, me too. You know, I don't want to oversimplify this. So it comes back to me to complexity of thinking, opening your heart, opening your mind, and really trying to find the creative next step, what would love do in this situation? Just like I think Clinton did with the don't ask, don't tell, 
it was an uncomfortable compromise, often I think that's what's required, is an uncomfortable compromise to take the mm-hmm. next step. Well, I can't put it any better than that. That's beautifully put, Cindy. Well, thank and, you. And, and actually shows your own practice and the fruits of the practice of your own teaching, I think. Well, thank you. On a yeah. good day. <laughs> On a good day, of course. Well, we're all works in progress, aren't we? Oh, we so are. <laughs> but we could be so much friendlier to our own, uh, you know, crazy uncle in the attic mm-hmm. uh, as, as we make space and room uh, to see ourselves as bigger, more complex systems, people, right? see other people that way, mm-hmm. relate to them that way. That's a spiritual path. There's a spiritual path in there somewhere. Totally. And what is spirituality? It's this, this expanding sense of who we are and being connected with all that is. And that being connected, for me, with someone who might be very vehemently pro-life is going to be a part of my spiritual practice right now. Absolutely. Well, wonderful, Cindy. How how great to visit with you this beautiful morning. Uh, Always a pleasure to talk to you, Jeff. Excited to see you before too long. Yes, exactly. So we'll see each other at the conference, uh, Mm -hmm. the What Next conference. You can find it on Integral Life. Uh, It's uh, December 28th through January 1st here in Boulder, here in Denver. And again, uh, with the SQ21, Cindy, give us again what we can do to find out more. For the book, you'll want to go to sq21book.com. If you purchase on October 9th, you can get a free miniature version of the SQ21 assessment. So buy the book on October 9th. Get, um, I'm going to mark that on my calendar, October <laughs> 9th. Cool. And then the, the website for my business is deepchange.com, and you'll be able to navigate to that from the SQ21 book website. But you can also go directly to my homepage and find out more about me and the coaches that I train. We've got coaches now all over the world, which is pretty exciting. Well, that's really excellent work, Cindy. Again, you're really one of the figures in the integral evolutionary world that are uh, really making an impact. And so I just want to acknowledge that and thank you so much and thank you for your friendship and thank you for our time this morning. Amen. Appreciate your friendship and, and this interview and look forward to seeing you soon. 